Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Latter Day Takes. I hope you've had a wonderful last week. I did. I had a busier weekend than I was planning with work, but you know what? Things were happy. Played a lot of pickleball on Saturday. I love that. Like two to three hours of just straight pickleball with a fun group of people. Had a good time. The weather was wonderful. The weather's only getting better. And I'm just looking forward to it. Obviously, I mention the weather probably every time on this podcast. I don't know. It just is what it is. Uh, I love being outdoors. I love enjoying that sunny Utah summer. I guess we're still in spring, but we're coming into summer. Anyway, on today's episode, we have Riley Brown, a friend of mine, um, hell of a pickleball player, talking about his experience in Hawaii that just happened about a week and a half ago of parachuting, skydiving in uh, Kauai and having his first, his primary shoot not open. It's a, it's kind of a nutty story. So I was like, you know what, Riley, come on and tell us about it because this is like pretty good. He has actually video. He has video that he shared with me. Um, I used it to kind of help promote this podcast. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that. I'll get to the, I'll kind of start us off with the news of the week. Um, and then we'll get to Riley's interview. And then I'll kind of close it out, obviously, with some kind of spiritual thoughts again. I don't think I'll take too long this time um, because I'm preparing a talk, believe it or not, this Sunday. So uh, I, I know I just taught Elders Quorum last Sunday, but now I'm speaking in church. So that's where we're at. Anyway, I'll share the topic with y'all. And if y'all have any suggestions, hints, anything that you can throw my way, I would love it because the t- uh, the topic is a little unique and um, it's a little bit daunting, but we'll see how that goes. Anyway. Enjoy this episode, and we will see you on the other side. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like... Slovis, you stink. I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. So, some hot topics of the week. Um, unfortunately, Tuesday, uh, yesterday, we had another shooting, a school shooting, elementary school in Texas. I don't have much to say about this. I don't really... I, I don't know what more you can say. Uh, I'm not definitely not going to get in the make this political. Uh, you know, I do that sometimes, but sometimes it's there's a time and a place, and I don't feel like this is one of them. Um, I will just say that a lot of my sentiments that I shared last week about thoughts and prayers uh, are ringing true right now, and I will absolutely uh, share my thoughts and prayers and. Uh, with, with the victims and their families and all their loved ones. It's a very, very horrendous, terrible situation. It, these things tend to be politically charged. It seems to be growing. It seems to be very strange that we're seeing not just more shootings, but more shootings that have political implications or ramifications to them. But I don't know if that's 
a growing sense or what, but uh, it's 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 it seems to be getting more terrible out there. Uh, needless to say. Um, anyway, so once again, just wanted to say that I will be praying for all those that are involved and affected by that. And you know that goes for everybody, and that goes for the perpetrators' families as well, because I would imagine they're hurting a lot too. And so uh, I believe that they deserve to be prayed for as well. Um, as I had mentioned in the intro, I'm speaking in sacrament this week. I don't love the topic necessarily, but it's nice to kind of stretch myself. So I'll share that on the other side, kind of near the end of this episode. Um, the NBA conference finals so far, have been a huge disappointment. They're, they're uh, the Warriors are just dominating the Mavericks, but the Heat and the Celtics, although they're having a somewhat competitive series overall, the individual games have been garbage. They've just been blowouts, just back and forth, just really, really bad. Um, however, the Mavericks did get a game in the in the Western Conference Finals, so it's nice to see that that's at least going to Game 5 as opposed to a sweep from the Warriors, which... I mean, we probably all figured was going to happen. The Mavericks were probably going to squeak one out at home, and then the Warriors would go probably finish it out back at Golden State. And from there, I did want to share this. I think is interesting. Apparently, food shortages are imminent. We've been hearing about this for a few weeks. Um, and apparently, we're about 10 weeks out from using the last of our wheat supply. So if this is news to you and you're big into making breads and whatever else, like go stock, stock up on that flour if you still can. I actually was at Costco earlier this week, and I thought maybe I'd go buy uh, another big bag of flour. Actually, I bought a five-pound bag of flour like a couple years ago, and um, I still probably have like a little over a quarter of it left. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just go grab another one. I couldn't find them anywhere. I'll be honest, I did not search that hard either um, because I still have plenty of flour, so I don't know. Anyway, that's a little bit tangent. Sorry about that. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have for the news of the week. Um, we will go into Riley's interview, uh, talking about his experience skydiving and kind of just the craziness therein, what was going through his head. I share my experience skydiving in Hawaii and Oahu. That's This was back in like 2019, I believe. No, 2018. This was near the end of 2018. And then uh, I'll share kind of some, some gospel topics, some thoughts, and if you guys have any thoughts or feedback, that happens every now and then. In fact, I, I really appreciate those that reach out to share kind of some sentiments and what they think about some of the thoughts that I throw out there. Because obviously this is not a situation where it's like, oh, this is the be-all, end-all. Not even close. I share my thoughts to kind of start conversations and to get feedback and to have other people share their thoughts because that's how I learn. That's how I grow. So whenever I share anything, please tell me where you disagree where you do agree or what you want to add on to, like any type of layer you want to add to it. Um, that's what this is for. This is an open forum. You know, I'm putting myself out there on a medium that anyone has access to. And if I expect everyone to agree with this, then why would I even do this? The reason is, is that I just want to kind of put stuff out there and I love to get feedback for it. So by all means, if you feel so inclined, throw something my way. With that, we will go ahead and throw it to Riley. Oh, real quick. I do want to say one thing. I did just see Top Gun 2. That might be the perfect movie. So to close out kind of this little segment, I actually do want to give a little teaser. Uh, he doesn't know it yet, but I'm bringing him back on the pod next week. We, I was going to try and bring it on this one. We were going to do something quick, but he was actually didn't have the means to do so when we were on wanting to record. So 
Next week, I'm going to bring back John Stevens, who's been on the podcast a few times. He's shared some some fun stories and things like that. And um, I want John on because we saw it together, and I know he has some good thoughts on that. So, And I guess by this time, more people will have seen Top Gun too. so it's better to kind of de- delay it a week. And it might be the perfect movie. I'm serious. With that, I will also give a long review of Under the Banner of Heaven because I've actually been sprinting listening to the book. I got the audiobook downloaded for Under the Banner of Heaven, and I've been listening to a lot of John Krakauer's version of this. I've been watching the show, and I just want to kind of start throwing some stuff out there of how I think of what's going on. The show, I think, is kind of a mess at this point. I don't, I think they've kind of lost sight of what it's all about, but I'll get into that next week, as well as kind of giving some thoughts and reviews of John Krakauer's book, Under the Banner of Heaven. I've basically been trying to research this and kind of tie it all up by next week. I'll do the review of Top Gun 2 with John, and then I'll do my own Under the Banner review. And that'll be the gist of next week's episode. So just giving you a little teaser for that. With that, we'll go ahead and throw it to Riley. Enjoy his story. Riley's a really entertaining guy. He's really goofy, funny, like just easy to talk to. I always have a fun time with Riley. And then I'll wrap it up with some thoughts and feelings of whatever else. Y'all have a good week. See you on the other side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. If you have ever wondered what it is like to jump out of a plane and not have your chute deploy, at least on the first go around, I have Riley Brown here in studio, sort of, to kind of tell, tell you what that might be like and what might be going through your head. But Riley, thank you for coming on, by the way. Before we get to that, I got to ask you, did you see... Uh, did you see Wiggins' dunk last night? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wiggins had a game last night. Yes, he did. Yes, he went he off. Did. But did you see him, like, posterize Luca? Yeah, they called the foul and then <laughs> called it back. Okay, two things that I loved about that is that I'm pretty sure Kerr told the refs to challenge it before Luca was even done with his flop. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he got fouled? Kerr was like, nope. <laughs> like right away, challenge, no question. And then the other thing is one of my favorite parts, and I'm not sure if I respect him or if I think he's an idiot. Luca's flop is just like, this is all I can do. Like this is my last line of defense. I'm just going to like take this and just fall over. And it, and almost see it. it almost worked. It exactly. almost worked. Like Kerr challenging it. I don't know. I wanted Dallas to win, but that dunk was insane, <laughs> especially from Wiggins. It's one thing if it's like LeBron James or like, yeah. I don't know, even Donovan Mitchell has some insane dunks, but Wiggins, that's crazy. Yeah, Wiggins, it's interesting to see him coming into his own. He was a former number one pick who's like finally actually like going to gonna make some waves, it seems like, in the coming years, but we'll see how that yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah. All right, Riley, you told me last weekend – a little bit about this story. Not a little bit. You told me the whole breakdown. I want this whole breakdown and I'm going to pepper you with a few questions as we go through it. Kind of talk about skydiving, 
jumping out of plane in Hawaii over Kauai specifically, which the only time I've been skydiving was in Oahu. So not too far from there. And I mean, that's like, I feel like one of your biggest fears when you go skydiving, you're like, what if the chute doesn't open, but that doesn't happen. So let's talk about it, man. How, how, like, take us through this whole thing. Whose idea was it to go skydiving? Also, have you been skydiving before? Yeah. So we were on Kauai, never been skydiving before, but you can do like these helicopter tours in Kauai. Mm -hmm. I've actually done one in Kauai. Super cool. Yeah. Well, I've heard. I didn't. I didn't actually do one because <laughs> you decided to skydiving instead. Oh, but uh, they go yeah, take you just... to see the Jurassic Park waterfall. No, they didn't take us to see that. No, I mean, but I did get to Google it. So I seen Google what? Images. Yeah, and you've seen the movie. Yeah, and I've seen the movie, so I'm pretty set there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we were going to do a Kauai helicopter ride. And then I can't remember who it was, but someone threw out the idea of like, hey, instead of a Kauai helicopter ride, why don't we just skydive? Like if we can jump out of the helicopter, that's kind of next level. And everyone was like, yeah, I'm in. So that's kind of how it all started, just at lunch. Um, but yeah, do you, do you just want me to like dive into the story now? Dude, just keep going, man. I'll, I will, I will, uh, I'll interrupt as I see fit. But yeah, I just want to hear it from start to finish. All right. So we get there. And like the first two people are Clay Wilkes and Sheena Sweeten that go up and do it. They go up. Wait, after you, like, are you only able to do it two at a time? Yeah, yeah. So it's just a very, very small plane. Um, oh, wow. No doors on the plane. Super small. Looks like it's built in like 1920. Um, two people. They're definitely, um, they're definitely saving money on that plane, which is never a good sign. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. That was probably scarier than actually skydiving. Oh, it's definitely. Ride. No, for um, real. In fact, I think I mentioned this to you, but in uh, when we went in Oahu, like no joke, that rickety plane is just yeah. like it looks. I mean, it it looks pre World War II. You can hear like every creak and every movement, and you're kind of okay, terrified. Yeah. Like if this, if we're actually going to die going skydiving, it's going to be on our way up before we jump <laughs> out in this freaking plane. And turns out, no joke, a few weeks later. On that same, there was a, on Oahu, there's just a strip of a bunch of skydive companies. And I don't know if they all use the same plane. I mean, there's a few planes that are just like, come on, taking off, coming and landing, and they're just taking people every time. I don't know if these companies share planes or how that, or if they all have their own plane, but not the company that we used for the skydiving. Another one that was on that strip, the plane, of the plane freaking crashed. Um, like just, I don't know, maybe a month or two after we went and everybody died. Are you serious? Yeah. They didn't like jump out and use their parachute. Yeah. You kind of wonder like what was, I, I don't know. I don't just don't know what the logistics were. Maybe they were too low for it to even have an effect. I don't know. But yeah. Nuts. Yeah. That's wild. Cause yeah, I, I thought that on the way up, I was like, if this thing crashes, like at least we have a parachute, like we'll be good. <laughs> that's a good point. You'd think so. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically uh, like a seatbelt for the sky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If that helps you. <laughs> yeah, if, that, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Sheena and Clay go up first and they jump out of the plane. And then like five seconds later, we see the parachutes open. I mean, if you've been skydiving before, you're looking up, but you can't see like a thing. So we saw like a dot and then we saw a parachute open and then they like drifted slowly down. Um, so then it gets up to me me and john cotter we were the last two up 
Or you're the last we two. The last two to go. So I, I was the last guy to go. And honestly, if I would have been first, I think people would have been freaked out. And I don't think people would have gone. Like the first guy that goes, parachute doesn't open. <laughs> That's a great point. I'm going to trust this company now. Yeah. So I'm actually glad that it happened on like the last person because it, it would have really freaked me out if it was like the first one. Um, yeah. Would you have gone if somebody's shoe didn't open before you? You know, I think I would have because I would go again. I would go skydiving again. Interesting. I'm not sure I would. I mean, like, I, it was fun, and I'm really, really glad I did it once. Not sure I need it again. I, I could I maybe would, be talked into it, but I'm just not chomping yeah. at the bit anymore. It's expensive. So I think if someone was like, hey, do you want to go skydive for free? I'd be like, yeah, count me in. But I don't know that I'd pay to go again. That's probably, yeah, that's a good gauge, I would say. I would probably go for free, too. Yeah, super cool. Great experience. But, like, kind of kind of done it before now, so... I've actually done it twice. <laughs> oh, yeah, one. sure. Yeah. yeah. You got a two for one. Nice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so me and John go up and John selfishly takes the first jump out. They ask on the way up, like, hey, who wants to jump first? Um, and whoever jumped first got like a different instructor or whatever, the guy that's attached to you. And so John was like, me, I got it. It was like yeah, John knew that if he wasn't going to go first, he wasn't going to go at all. Oh, yeah. There was no way. This He's is like, John. Just land the plane. I'm okay. Just land the plane. <laughs> just land the plane. Please. Just get me out of here. Um, so yeah, John jumps out first with his instructor or whatever attached his back. Um, so watching them was wild. And then we get up to like the edge of the plane, and I asked the instructor, like, hey, can we do a bunch of flips on our way out, or do we just go out and like fall face forward? And he's like, Oh, if you want to do flips, let's do it. So we jump out of the plane and we do like seven back flips, front flips, whatever. We're just spinning everywhere. And then finally we stop and I'm like just facing the ground essentially, which is super cool because Kauai is like one of the prettiest places I've ever been. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going down and like if you've been skydiving before, it's like you're dropping like a rock. Like the first five seconds you go down so fast. Um. So after about five seconds or whatever, five, 10 seconds, he pulls the parachute and we start slowing down a little bit, but it honestly, did you, know, like, did you know he pulled the chute for sure? Or like, I, I did. Cause like you feel it yank you, right? Yeah. So I did feel it yank me, but we were still going down pretty fast. Like we were hauling down this, <laughs> the sky still. So and was I was your like, thought like, it, oh, this is a lot faster than I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never been skydiving before, so I was like, "This is this is fast." Maybe you like pull something at the end, and like a second parachute comes out, and like magically we slow down, but we're still going freaking fast. So, like five or ten more seconds go by of us still hauling, but with the parachute open, um, and then he. From like from my experience, he cuts the parachute and we drop like a freaking rock again, just like plummeting to the ground. And you're like, well, we might as well do some backflips again. <laughs> yeah, so like, hey, we're up here. <laughs> what? I mean, it's like, come on. <laughs> and uh, it kind of happens too fast, and you're so out of control that you don't really get nervous because it's like, well. Like I've had like three seconds to react. I don't have enough time to really like process what's going on. I'm also not in control. So if we die, like completely out of my control, 
So it's funny because in the video, I'm still like having a riot. And you, my, have, you have this recorded? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, where is it? I can send it over to you. Please do, dude. I'm going to use that to promote it. Yeah. 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 So I'm still having a riot. Um, although I, I do think something's up. I'm not quite certain that we're on the reserve, that we're about to use the reserve. But in the video, my instructor is like super panicked, cutting the parachute, pulling the reserve. Like his face is just completely like scared, nervous. Just, I don't know that he had ever had to pull the reserve before. So then after dropping like a rock the second time, pulls the reserve and the reserves are meant to like their last chance, right? So they're not meant to be like super comfortable. The reserve like yanks me and gives me the biggest wedgie I've had since high school. Like it was insane. Oh, which which year, <laughs> sophomore or junior year? Uh, sophomore year. Junior year wasn't too bad. <laughs> okay. I grew a little bit junior year, so it was harder to give me a wedgie, but sophomore <laughs> year, still short. Yeah. Wow. Oh, dang, man. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a, um, a nice little high school reunion for you if I've ever seen one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so then we land. Or actually, no, we're still in the air, and I don't see John Cotter anywhere, which obviously we're on the reserve, so we passed him. I didn't see us passing. I didn't but know I, that. That's the crazy part. Yeah, right? Then we, I didn't see John as soon as we left the plane. I never saw that kid again. Um, until we landed, of course. Unfortunately, I had to see him again after that. Yeah. Unfortunately, you actually did run into him. You had to finish out the trip with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, we're going down. And like, I had a suspicion that something happened. I wasn't positive. I've never been skydiving before. So I wasn't positive we were on the reserve. And I asked like, hey, how come John and them aren't in front of us? And he's like, oh, it's it's because we had to pull the reserve. I was like, I knew it, man. I knew we were on the reserve. I knew something was up. And he's like, yeah, that's why you dropped like twice. <laughs> so we get to the bottom and he is like, he's kind of just in awe, like super happy to be on the ground, but also super nervous for everyone else. When they landed, he was like, Hey man, how was it? Like, did you like it? Would you do it again? What was your favorite part? But we get to the ground and he just like, does a big gulp and then kind of like walks into the office, no questions, no anything. And then later he's like, Hey man, did, did you like it? Uh, I was like, yeah, I loved it. I got two for the price of one. That was awesome, man. What'd he say? <laughs> he just, he just kind of laughed nervously. Like, You're sick. <laughs> <laughs> you are sick and twisted. This is no laughing matter. We almost died. <laughs> we almost died today. Yeah. That poor guy had to keep going up there though. Like pulls a reserve, almost dies, and then he has to take another crew in like ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, it is nuts. You have to confront that super quick. Um, so when so he was the same two instructors that did all like six or of you guys or however many did it. Uh, no, there were two instructors because they could only fit two people in the plane. No, I know that's what I mean. Like the two instructors did every like all of your whole group, however many people there were in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is us. So, for, first off, um, have you seen have you seen that video of the dude that does the free fall and lands into a net? No, dude, twenty twenty five thousand feet. He has to have oxygen for like the first ten thousand feet, 
and like his buddies are there with him. They all have parachutes and like he hands off the oxygen tank to another guy, one of his buddies, and they're all filming this. I mean, it's on YouTube. And then he hands off the oxygen tank. And so he's on his own for like the last 15,000 feet or maybe 10,000. They may have pulled at 10,000. That probably makes more sense. Cause I think you kind of have to pull around 10,000, right? In the planes that we went up, I think we went up about 15,000. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And we free fall for about five to five ish, I think. Then you pull, I think. I'm not positive on that. But yeah, so this guy, but then this guy keeps going, obviously, and he's just aiming for this big net. No shoot. He didn't even he didn't even have a parachute attached to him. And right at the last second, he turns around to land on his back. And he lands it, dude. I mean, he's like I don't it's hard to tell because the net's so big, but I would say he was still probably about like 50 feet from the edge of the net. Oh which my is gosh. Like, like not a small amount, right? No. Um, but it like I said, it is hard to tell. But it's a it's a nutty video, dude. And it made me think I pulled it up because I was thinking of you. I was thinking of kind of like what we could talk about and everything. But um I'm wondering though, if you if you realize that your shoot isn't gonna pull. You've got about 8,000 feet left to go. Do you try and aim for the water, the sandy beach? What are you doing here? Oh, dude, water for sure. <laughs> that, like, it doesn't matter what you hit. If you, like, you're going to die. Water is <laughs> going to be like concrete. So do you, like, try and turn your back so the instructor hits first? Like, are you using him <laughs> as, like, some sort of pad or, like, what are you talking I actually thought about that. I was like, I wonder what would happen. And I kind of pictured it like a James Bond movie where like two people are fighting in the air. I pictured (laughs) that as me and my instructor where all of a sudden we're like friends and then become enemies. And I'm trying to like push him to land first and me to land on top of him. So I I think I would selfishly, I would probably try and have him land first. But if he didn't fight, I would maybe be like, you know what? This is a good guy. I'll take the hit and I'll land first. If he fought, I'd be like, no, this this guy's going first. He's proved that he's a bad person. Yeah, he's a bad guy. <laughs> he wants me to land first. I'll show him. Dude, I mean, we're acting like this is going to make all the difference in the world, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I got to ask you one last thing, and then I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna share my own experience, which isn't anything like yours so it's not gonna it's gonna live up to, to, <laughs> to yeah but uh what was what was it like the next hour like after you had landed i mean what was going through your head i mean and it may not it may have just been like because i know you i could see you just kind of not really thinking twice about it but if it were me I, I feel like i would have a lot of like existentialist thoughts going through my head at that point yeah so i did ask the guy um how many parachutes don't work and he's like uh, one in five thousand and he's been on like six or 7,000 runs. So it maybe has happened to him before. I asked if oh, it yeah. happened. Oh, so yeah. I did ask if it happened to him. And he kind of avoided the question. He was like, uh, you know, this, this happens one out of every 5,000. So I don't think it had happened to him before. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the thoughts going through my head were like, all right, one out of every 5,000. Let's assume the reserve is the same one out of every 5,000. It's like, that means like you've got a one in 25 million chance that both parachutes don't open, right? Which isn't like something to be that concerned about. Um, yeah, good point. But yeah, once the first one doesn't open, then it's like, all right, my chances are one in 5,000 again. 
what's the first 5,000 didn't work great. So why would the next 5,000? Oh man. One in five. I was, uh, I don't know. I wasn't too shook by it, but it was weird. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be shook necessarily, but I'd be like, I, I just, the whole thing, like, I don't know. I probably overthought the whole thing. I mean, I told you like a little bit about what I, what was going through my head, which is not, I mean, it's not even significant by comparison, but I remember, so I remember we were going skydiving and I didn't even realize it was a Sunday (laughs) until we were like there. I was like, wait, it's Sunday. And I was like, I mean, you're on vacation. I know people kind of have like a gray area when it comes to a lot of things on vacation, keeping the Sabbath day holy, all that stuff. But I did kind of dawn on me. I was like, it would really suck to die on Sunday while breaking the Sabbath, technically speaking. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That, that would kind of suck. My family probably wouldn't be too thrilled about that. But then the other thing that came to mind was, I'm sure I had been close to death before, but the difference between going skydiving and those other scenarios is that I wouldn't have known that I was close to death, you know? Like if you're hiking in a narrow area and you're really high up and you're like, oh yeah, I guess I could have fallen at some point and maybe I was closer than I would have ever thought. You know, things like that where like maybe you're getting stalked by a mountain lion for a little bit, but you would have never known, you know, things like that. But this was the first time I was like willingly going into a scenario. But like you said, it's basically one in 25 million. So even then, relatively speaking, it's still very, very, very slim. But it was that where I recognize that where I'm like, this is interesting. I mean, like I'm, this is the biggest risk taking thing I've ever done in my life, which is probably a sad commentary on my life in general. So no, I mean like very rarely do people pay for an opportunity to maybe die like skydiving, shark cage diving, stuff like that. So it is kind of weird when people are like, yeah, you know, what are my chances of survival? One in, you know, a million or whatever. And they're like, sign me up. I'm in. Odds are I'll live. Sounds like a thrill. Yeah. And I actually went shark diving the, in the on the same trip, like the, a day or two previous to that. But it wasn't the same thing. They were like uh, weak, um, like I can't remember the type of sharks they are. They're like super docile. It was actually kind of boring, relatively speaking. Like they're, you're in a cage and they just come up and it's cool seeing them that close. But at the same time, those sharks are so disinterested in what you are. They just don't even acknowledge the, your presence. It's almost like the way I've said it, it's like, you're the aquarium to the shark restaurant. It's like they're all going there to converse and hang out and they're kind of like really ignoring the fish display that they have in the background. They just don't care. You didn't try dressing up like a fish and like swimming around, (laughs) make it a little more interesting. I did try to cut Cam's skin, like to make him bleed (laughs) a little bit just to see what would happen. But he was too busy avoiding throwing up in that scenario. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) No, no joke. He actually was like, he actually, <laughs> so Cam, and this is especially funny because you know Cam, he he got so sick on the boat ride to where we had to go to get into the cage. By the time he got in the cage and with like all the like moving around that was going on, he just had to sit on top of the water and just hold on to the cage so he could <laughs> focus on not throwing up. And he missed like the whole experience, but he was sitting there. And one of the girls in our group was like, Hey, um, is it all right if he goes back in the boat? They're like, If he comes back, y'all come back. And so we we're all like, Well, sorry, Cam. And <laughs> she's like, He's gonna throw up though. They're like, Sorry, we're not gonna, like, that's it though. 
So he just stayed there while we were all just like diving down, trying to get closer to the sharks and stuff. Honestly, <laughs> knowing Cam, I would be weirded out if anything else happened. Like if he was just normal <laughs> and fine and swimming with the sharks, I'd be like, no, no, something's yeah. off. If Cam didn't throw up, we'd all be worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this isn't Cam we have. Yeah, this isn't that. That's not the real Cam. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my experience, the only thing that was kind of funny about it was that my my instructor's name was Dano. I don't know where that came from. I think his name was Dan, but people just call him Dano. And as we're walking out to the plane, he's just asking me about like where I'm from and stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I actually live in Texas at, at the time. I lived in Texas, but um, I'm from Utah. And he's like, oh, he's like, Utah's cool, man. I like that place. Yeah, I think he spent a lot of time in Colorado or something. And he's like, well, dude, I'm like wearing two swimsuits, man. Like you had two board shorts on, two pairs of board shorts. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And he's like, well, it was like a costume party that I went to uh, last night. And I just like ended up falling asleep on my buddy's couch and just kind of like, he didn't even tell me what he dressed up as. And he's like, then I just had to come to work. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I'm going to be strapped to you. So that's good to know. He was actually super nice. I, I did really like him. Um, we get into the plane. And he, at some point while we're, while we're going into the sky, he's like, Hey, do I smell a little boozy to you? And he wasn't joking. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, I mean, just like, I, he's like, I only had like a few beers last night. Um, and one of them was a Coors, which is like Utah beer. So he's like, I mean, it's like, do I just, and, and I was like, I, I can't smell anything. <laughs> I just smell mint. <laughs> and which maybe means they're trying to cover something up. I don't know. And he's like, well, the last guy I was with, like, I smelled something funky. And I was like, I smelled alcoholic. And I wasn't sure if it was me or him. And I'm, it was probably just him. And I'm like, I'm about to jump out of a plane with you, man. And you might be like buzzed, <laughs> but okay. Oh, yeah. Buzz, tired. <laughs> yeah. And then we were the second ones out the plane. It was a big group. There's probably like 10 of us fitting there. And he tells me, he's like, hey, right away, we're just going to go one, two, three. We're going to fall out backwards. And we're just going to do like. 10 backflips in a row and then we'll steady out. I'll tap you and then you'll put your arms like out kind of tucked in, but your hands are going to be out and then we'll stabilize. And then, uh, and then we'll just like enjoy the free fall and then we'll, then we'll pull it. And, uh, he was right to like, just do the one, two, three thing and just go. Cause I mean, I outweighed this guy probably by like 40 pounds at least. And right as he hit three, like it was no hesitation. We went out and if he would have given me the chance, I would have 100% would have stalled. 100 percent. i know I would have. just because i was so i was overthinking it i wasn't like scared but i was like this is nerve-wracking dude if you outweigh the guy you would beat him and he would land first in the event that your parachute doesn't open so you would have been fine i would have been fine that's true yeah i, I didn't even need a parachute. i don't know why i was freaking out dude i, I didn't even need a parachute <laughs> yeah, I had yeah, you, had, you had this guy to break your fall exactly What's funny is that it's nice to know that we started, we stopped wearing helmets. And I think that was all thanks to Jerry Seinfeld's stand up. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Remember what he says? You're, uh, you're protecting the helmet, right? No, he's like, he's like, yeah, basically, you're protecting the helmet. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, if he's like, what's the point of the helmet when you're skydiving? He's like, if that, you, you jump out of that plane and that chute doesn't open, he's like, that helmet is wearing you for protection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Later, that helmet is talking to the other helmets. It's a good thing that guy was there. Or I would hit the ground directly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I hopped on here, I was like, man, this feels a little bit like the Merv Griffin show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually glad you said that because I got a few of your exes that I'm going to pull out here, dude. We're going to have a <laughs> conversation, all of us. 
<laughs> you're not going to ask George. So you dated Riley for a little bit. Tell us, what was that like? <laughs> oh, uh, wrong card. Wrong card. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think I've lost a few listeners at this point. So it's probably time to wrap it up. But Yeah, you've lost all of them by now. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the Merv Griffin show, though, man. I appreciate oh, it. Anytime. All right, Riley, you have a good one, man. All right. Later, man. All right. So in closing, uh, this Sunday, I'll be speaking in sacrament meeting. So be sure to tune in for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, The topic is a unique one. It's using the tools of today from the church to strengthen our testimonies. And from what I understand, at least the first counselor of my bishopric told me that he means like new technologies to some degree. Uh, the bishop clarified and said, yeah, like something like, come follow me, which that's going to be a challenge because I don't use come follow me a whole lot. Now I do, I I mean, I'm a regular reader of my Book of Mormon. Like I have not missed a day in a long time. Um, and I love specifically reading the Book of Mormon kind of, you know, pretty critically in a sense, not, not like I'm trying to expose it, but I mean like, like really kind of looking deep into some of the some of the nuances of the Book of Mormon, right? I mean, just today, I actually spent time kind of laying out the Nephite monetary system and how much it was that Zeezrom actually offered Alma and Amulek to deny God. I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, so stuff like that. Like, I kind of just put it into a little bit more perspective or context, things like that. Like, for example, when Zeezrom goes back on um, kind of feeling bad, basically, and thinking, like, wait a second, these men might actually be men of God, he does it after Amulek talks about there being, like, people. all things will be restored. So it's not just up to this life. It's not just this earth. Like, we, we will have everything restored, especially, like, to the degree of which we lived, right? So, I mean, if you, if you lived a good life and you were doing good things, then that'll all be restored in the next life and then some, right? And it kind of made me think, like, what is Zeezrom's experience with that? Was Zeezrom... Does he have someone in his family, a loved one that has maybe had a disability of some sort? I don't know. And and the restoration of that kind of intrigued me. Like maybe that intrigued him. And that's where he's like, wait, it, this kind of feels real to me. This feels right. This feels like a loving God. Anyway, stuff like that. That's how I like to study the scriptures. But anyway, come follow me is not something that I have done the best on. Now, I'm not saying I'm exempt from that. I, I will admit that I should be better about it especially Old Testament stuff. The Old Testament is something that I'm not the most familiar with, but I would like to be more familiar with it. But So if that's the case, I should do come follow me more. But other tools that I've thought of, and now here's the thing, I'm actually going to pivot a little bit as I speak, as I give this talk this Sunday. I'm going to talk about the actual technological tools that we have, and I'll go over that for a little bit. But then the other thing that I want to emphasize are the spiritual tools. I definitely want to pivot into that lane because I think those are the most important. Those are the ones that stand the test of time. You don't need the new technological tools in order to gain, sustain, and prolong your testimony, persevere, and, you know, make it to the end, basically, and come back to Christ's presence and all that. But with that said, obviously, these new tools help. One of which that I love that I want to share with all of you today is the Scriptural Citation Index. If you're not familiar with that, you go to scriptures.byu.edu, and in that, it's basically a library of all the conference talks over the span of ever all the general conference since it's been around, and which scripture verses they are linked to. So specifically, if you're reading in the Book of Mormon, for example, if you're in Alma, if you're in chapter 13, and you see a verse there, you're like, hmm, I wonder what this verse 
is really saying. Or you maybe want to contextualize it a little bit. There's a lot of different ways you can go about this. You can check on the scriptural citation index, scriptures.byu.edu, and you can go to that verse, and it will tell you every general authority in general conference that cited that verse. Now, not all verses have citations, but you can bet that the most popular verses are stock full, chock full, I should say, chock full of citations, which is really cool. And it can help you kind of orient your thoughts of that verse. Like, what are the what are the prophets? What are the apostles? What are other general authorities saying about this verse? It's really cool. It's actually a really special tool. It's kind of changed the dynamic of how I study the scriptures. I love using scriptural citation index, and I would encourage anybody that likes to study the scriptures to use that as well. Um, BYU speeches is another one that I really like. I'm not saying BYU just because I'm a I'm a sucker for BYU sports. Um, they just, I don't know, they're tied to the church, obviously, so it's all the same. But um, So if you go to speech, speeches, I believe, .byu.edu, they have a whole library of random random talks that have been given like on BYU campus, like at devotionals and things like that, two of which that I refer to so often, just kind of when I want perspective on things and if I might be going through some trials and hard times, I like to refer to Hubie Brown's God is the Gardener. I mean, it's, it's beautiful stuff that Hubie Brown says in that talk. He relates to kind of his own experience cutting down a currant bush in his yard as he was cleaning it. It was his, it was his own yard, the own his plot of land that he owned. And he said that he kind of had this conversation with the current bush because he felt like the current bush was talking to him and saying, why do you cut me down like this? And he's saying, I'm doing it for your good so that way you can grow. And he relates that to an experience that he had while he was in the Canadian military. He was on track to being general. And he went to go meet with his superior officer and the officer had related to him. He said, "Um, unfortunately we will not be promoting you. And he looked down on the paper and said, and he saw specifically that it had explained that Hubie Brown is when it was referring to him in his like portfolio thing. It said, this man is a Mormon. And he walked away devastated because he thought this is, this is everything that I'd hoped for, everything I've planned for. And he said specifically as he was ruminating over this and just recently got this news, he said, and then I heard a voice. It sounded like my own voice. And the voice said, I am the gardener here. I know what I want you to be. If I let you go the way you want to go, you will never amount to anything. And someday, when you are ripened in life, you are going to shout back across the time and say, thank you, Mr. Gardener, for cutting me down, for loving me enough to hurt me. And that had a profound effect on me when I went back and read that. Thank you, Mr. Gardener, for cutting me down, for loving me enough to hurt me, or to add on to that, to allow me to experience this pain so that I may grow from it. That's the way I like to think of it. That's the way I like to put it. BYU speech is a great one. The other talk that I refer to a lot, this one is amazing. I would recommend this for anybody under any circumstances. Hugh Nibley, both Hughes that are I'm referring to, Hugh B. Brown, Hugh Nibley, uh, leaders and managers. That leaders and managers talk is pretty amazing. What Hugh Nibley does in this one is that he he relates kind of two examples in the Book of Mormon that you see and two generals specifically that fought against each other. He's talking about Captain Moroni and Amalekiah. And Amalekiah is the Nephi dissenter that went and obviously betrayed the Nephites and then went over and basically took over the entire Lamanite nation. Not basically, he did. And he talks about the differences and how they managed the situation. Now, granted, he, he doesn't refer to Captain Moroni as a manager at all. He refers to him as a leader. That's the difference. Amalekiah is a manager. And he goes and he breaks down what the differences are there. It's fascinating. 
one thing that I specifically love about this talk is that he references uh, his, a prayer that he had given kind of on a similar occasion. Like it was, he, he was giving this at a, um, at a graduation. He's, and it was 23 years prior to him giving the speech of leaders and managers at this graduation ceremony. He had given the prayer at a different graduation ceremony. And he said in the prayer, we have met here today clothed in the black robes of a false priesthood, which is hilarious. He's referring to higher education. And as somebody that has been in higher education uh, a lot, I can testify to that, that it is a false priesthood. Those people love how smart they are. They love to pontificate. They love to just talk and be esoteric and dig into things that ultimately have no real value in life is the way I see it. Not that all higher education is bad, but they sure have a bang-up job when it comes to destroying our culture and our society. Anyway, wanted to share those things specifically. I'll be kind of mentioning that in uh, my talk coming on Sunday. But then I want to get into the spiritual tools, and I think some that have come to mind right now, obedience, faith, humility, being capable of renewing and renewing regularly the covenants that you have made with your Heavenly Father, fasting and praying. Those are all amazing tools that I'll be talking about and I'll be expanding on. Um, I want to actually spend the majority of my talk talking about that. But anyway, if you have any thoughts, by all means, give it, give something, give some feedback whenever you want. I would love to hear it. I hope you all are doing well. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you're looking forward to next week when I do the review of Under the Banner of the Heaven and obviously Top Gun 2. But Under the Banner of the Heaven is going to be interesting. One thing that I want to give you a little teaser on as well is that in Under the Banner of Heaven, the book, John Krakauer wrote specifically something that I was just kind of, it, it struck me in a way where I was like, so what's the problem with that? He talks about how in the LDS culture, they consider obedience to be among the highest virtues as if it was like a bad thing. That's literally the context that he gave that. He's like, because being obedient is the most important thing you could be in. And like, you know, that, that means that it's just asking you to never ask questions, but just to be obedient. And it's like, in what culture do they not consider obedience to be among one of the highest virtues? That was a question I had. I did not understand his point there. It's weird. Krakauer seems to be taking shots left and right on the church and under the banner of heaven. He seems to be referring to historians that have a bone to pick with the LDS church uh, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So anyway, we'll be talking all about that next week. Anyway, hope you all are doing well. Hope you have a great week. Love you all. And we will see you next week. So mad, there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. Cause I could almost see it. Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I, I, I.